people wearing masks? A fake virus? Americans are the bad guys? No, folks, this isn't 2020. This is 2007's classic, The Host. Welcome to Spoilers! Oh, such an outdated reference. Dude, honestly, this year's been such a blur, it's just melding together. I haven't even acknowledged 2021 yet. Like, in my brain, we're still rolling in 2020. But welcome, folks. This is your host, Stevie, and today we are breaking down the 2007 classic, The Host, a movie that I, quite frankly, love nearly and dearly. Um, well, I think we have a boat of five today, and let's go from Isis to Weesis. I want you guys to tell me, um, let's see, tell me who your favorite movie monster is. It could be a bad guy, it could be an actual monster, it could be an alien, I don't care. Who's your favorite movie monster? You said East to East? Yep. Uh, without thinking about it too much, I'll just say the Predator. I think he's uh, coolest creature design, and I love the concept of him. I love his powers and everything. That's my answer. I don't want to think about it too much. Move on. Sounds like Brett wants to think about it. You posted a pod on that. <laughs> I just don't want to say. I don't want to say two things. Do you want to say two things, Brett? I'll allow it. Does he want to say two no, things? I, just say two things. Just say two things. No, I have not thought of anything else. I'm not thinking. It's going to weigh blank. on your chest for the next hour. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Stay puffed, marshmallow man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yes. That's really good. That's really good. Who's next? This is Josh from Goshen. And I'm going to go with King Kong versus Godzilla. Just choose them both. <laughs> I hosted that movie review, episode 240 of Spoilers. Love both of those monsters. Shout out to the squid monster that like those villagers are like chanting to as well in the beginning <laughs> of that movie. We're going to get another one of those. Yay. Godzilla versus King Kong. Oh, it's a lot better. Uh, Mikey from Goshen. Uh, just for comedy's sake, I really like Jason. I feel I watch those movies. He's great. Those are really hilarious as he goes around killing a bunch of horny teenagers. Good fun. Also, don't forget about like a movie I want to spoil at some point, which is like Jason in Manhattan. It, it, oh, it's we got really work fantastic the whole franchise to get to Jason in Manhattan. So, but once you get there, though, it's a place you don't want to leave. You just kind of hope this series oh, just stays in Manhattan. That's the one where he's on like a ship the whole movie, even though it's called like Jason <laughs> Takes Manhattan. He's like yeah, in Manhattan. Was, for, like I ten minutes. That was Jason in space. That's Jason X. So that's a big dumb movie classic right there. If you want to, he fights a cyborg or something, right? <laughs> oh, listen to the big dumb movie podcast. This is Corey, by the way, recording out of Simi Valley, California. Is it my turn for the answer? You guys all said it, right? Yeah, it's your turn. I can't really think of one. I'm just going to pick one that I heard people talking about recently on a podcast. Uh, Jeff Goldblum as Brundlefly in The Fly. Wow. Uh, I just watched that like last week. Such a gross movie. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And it's not so much him at the end, but like him transforming into the monster is really like the highlight of that. He's just cool and creepy and... It's very gross and... Uh, it's appalling. Yeah. That's a good one. That's mine. It's appalling because you kind of want to have sex with him. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of. He's just so that charming. Movie, it's Brundlefly. That movie like, scared the shit out of me as a kid. Like, My dad let me watch way too many movies when I was a young kid for some odd reason. But when I was like Same. four or five, um, I like walked in and Jeff Goldblum was like ripping a biker's arm off. <laughs> like, I remember, like, 
visibly arm wrestling. Like, not liking that at all. I remember his bone like popping out of his arm and Jeff Goldblum like smiling. Which is basically what the kids in the host witnessed down in that sewer. <laughs> Pretty much. A real fear of like arms getting chopped off. I really do. Predator comment where he's like, oh, I didn't know you could lose an arm as a child. Dude, I'm telling you, there was a run of movies when I was a child. Like, did my brain. this on purpose? Like, he just had like a montage? I th- what I think happened was, I think my dad had like an innate fear of losing an arm. And so he wanted me as a young man to get over that at an early age. That's so I, I think that's. Leave a note. You always leave them there. Yeah, rest development. So you never leave the door open. <laughs> God, that's funny. Um, this is your host, Stevie, recording from Elkar. Uh, my favorite movie monster. Man, oh, man. Well, it'd be cheesy if I said the host, because I'm hosting it. Whatever this creepy monster is. Um, have any of you guys seen the movie Slither? No. Uh, no, I remember people talking. It's kind of a big deal among the horror community, right? Like for like a a lower level release movie. Like a lot of people love that. It's a B movie. And um, who's the guy from Cliffhanger? I think it's Michael Rourke. I think it's Michael his Rooker. name. Rooker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he turns into this awesome. Like I can't. It's hard for me to describe, but put it this way. He kidnaps the entire town, and they're having an orgy on his skin at the end of the movie. It's amazing. (laughs) He's like a Resident Evil monster. He's like the size of a 20 by 20 room, (laughs) and he looks like a giant ball sack with the entire townspeople, like, moaning and, like, having an orgy on his skin. It's amazing. Okay, I'm watching it just for that. Like, that's that's a pitch, man. I I, I can't even, like... It, it, it like the way I'm describing it doesn't do it justice. You just have to see it to believe it. Uh, let me type that into Pornhub right now. <laughs> I think it's one of the top searches. Stevie, how much? How many? How much tentacle porn is in that though? There's like a not lot enough. Of, yeah, there's ah. like more. Than I mean, you would for think, like the tentacle porn community that's like listening to this right now, not enough. <laughs> there's never enough. There, there's never enough, but there's some, but not enough. At least by today's standards. Ten Kinda years like ago, the, maybe. Today, not enough. The squid. The squid that only had nine legs instead of ten. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, Brett, start us off in this movie. Why, why, is, like, why are Americans the bad guy in this movie? What really kicks this movie off? Because other countries are allowed to pick any bad guy they want. Um, I don't we know, pick Germans and Russians. Other countries pick Americans. It's a whole thing. Um, because some doctor... Actually, Brittany and I couldn't figure it out. We missed it. What what was wrong with the formaldehyde? Was it, like, outdated? It had dust. It had dust on it, and the doctor dust had a bigger it, fear of dust than poisoning the earth. Oh, uh, I thought he was talking about it was, like, messy. Okay. Uh, yeah, so he dumps, what, 6,000 gallons of formaldehyde <laughs> into the into the Han River? That's a low and, estimate, but all, yeah. <laughs> and then... Uh, you know, they over time. Actually, man, that suicide uh, scene with the rain was actually really cool. Uh, this movie's weird because I'll say it right now. This movie was like part one part, like action, creepy, and then it, but it was like zany at the same time. Do you guys know what I'm talking yeah. about? 
I mean, I got it the was same super vibes weird. when I watched Parasite for the first time, and obviously it's the same director, but yeah, there's like this like weird dark humor, right? Yeah, it's like, uh, it's a real serious scene, then all of a sudden it turns into like an M.C. Escher thing where they're like, oh man, I don't know, it was just really weird. I mean, don't get me wrong, I thought it worked. but There's one uh, scene sandwiched in there at the beginning too that I really like, where it's two guys fishing, and they never like show the creature, but one of them catches in their little kid's cup like this little mutated thing with a bunch of fins on it and it really gets uh the creativity flowing in your own brain when you like see a scene like that it's pretty cool yeah what caught me about that scene is that the guy's pouring the stuff down the sink and then immediately after that's the next moment it's people standing in the <laughs> lake so you think about that yeah because you know all this is going into the lake and then you see people standing in it and that's kind of where i thought it was going because i had never seen this movie i didn't know anything about it well, do you think, uh, I don't know, maybe that, well, what is that guy's job? The guy inspecting the formaldehyde, is he like working in a, in a mortuary? Uh, it's a mortuary. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I was going to say like, maybe he's like a inside military type guy who's like purposely trying to tank this Han river or something, but well, I think he was military cause they're on a military yeah, they're base. They're on a military oh, they are? base. They, oh, okay. They're on a U.S. military base in South Korea. Well, do you think it was actually formaldehyde then? Because, like, I don't know. I think it's a good point, Mikey. I think there is something to that doctor being in a place where it's like Americans are like, yeah, let's experiment with all these chemicals way far away from the states and then, like, come back 20 years later and see what the fallout is. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just seemed odd that he was, like, so insistent. like, is there not, like, procedures to just, like, put it in a... Garbage safe. <laughs> and like, like, safe, safe uh, yeah. waste, toxic waste. I don't, that's that why. Would be so much easier than just one by one opening all these formaldehyde bottles. It seems like intentional that he wanted to poison the river. I, I think that's a. I think that's like maybe one of the least believable parts of this movie, besides the big fish monster. I mean, obviously they have to have a bad guy, um, but I, I think Mike, what Mikey's saying, it's a lot more I feasible. Mean, I, I think it's just a way to take like what people do to the environment in general you know like businesses and stuff and just condense it into a moment yeah so, i think that was also my other yeah but, yeah but businesses in the u.s military are little different sides of the coin but that's all right though but to, not to break <laughs> apart stevie's argument about what this movie is trying to say about the u.s I, I will say the most badass arguably character in this movie is an american who's seemingly just trying to do the right thing definitely i was saying this all that guy at the beginning yeah, that like military dude, man yeah. who's just like going after the monster. Kind of cool. He's like, wait, oh, dude, he was amazing. He's like, we got to help them. I mean, it was kind of laughable. Even when they saw way, the monster. But... <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a, but. That's a parody on American film, right? I mean, that's the vibe that I got. That has to be. The Rambo of monster slayers just like, going in there, guns Like blazing. a monster coming out, then the one American in the crowd coming out, like being like macho. Like to me, that just screamed like. I think I, I can't like put my finger on exactly what it was, but I think there's something there when it comes like messaging like in this film like versus like American films. Well, let me give an example. Of what this guy does is he pries a tile out of the ground or like a, <laughs> a piece of cement or something out of the ground and then just yes. hammer throws it perfectly into the monster. Like this guy is incredible. He throws that thing a hundred yards. He should be in the Olympics. 
Let's see, there's five Americans in this movie. Four of them are bad. You think it could be maybe just like a little bit of a peace offering for making <laughs> all the other guys bad? I mean, I think a lot of this movie is in- influenced by American film. I don't think you can cherry pick just that character and say this is the American film reference. No, I don't think it was American film reference, but I think like, I mean, I can't put my finger up. I think there's something there. Yeah, I do too. I, I mean, it, honestly, it could have been any other South Korean character that would have done that. Like, he I did, think, though. Like the, like, the idiot did do that. And that he shot, just wasn't, he wasn't with, as good at it. With the sign, like, the cement above the buses is yes. amazing. That's one of the most memorable shots I've seen probably in a while. Which one do you mean? Where he's got, like, the, the post, and he's taking it to, like, hammer on the monster, and it shows a row of buses, and just, like, comically the top cement of the sign just goes like bobbing by. He ends up like hammering the, the monster's tail. Oh, that's right. That sign, by the way, it's a no, It's an anti-trumpet sign. So it's like a trumpet, you know, like the horn. And then there's like an anti-sign on it. <laughs> they had a real what issue with trumpets. <laughs> Absolutely no jazz in this area. <laughs> <laughs> no Ryan Gosling's allowed. Oh, God. Oh, Corey, I mean, you've seen your fair share of monster movies, right? I've seen uh, the older ones, yeah. Okay. Like the Universal monster movies. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of monster movies, like whether it came from the 90s, early 2000s, or today, will like prolong the reveal of like your monster, like, in, yeah. like mainly to like the 45, 50 minute mark, and then go from there. Do you like how this movie showed like the monster within like the first 10 minutes? I do. I do like seeing the monster right away. And I was wondering how much of that was we were going to see. So it was on my mind for sure. That's because I'm trained by modern movies like the 2014 Godzilla, for example, which is really evasive about that. It doesn't show it. But we get to see it in broad daylight when this Luke monster Skywalker attacks for the first time. Force Awakens. It's light outside. Yeah, that's pretty rare. Never get to see that clear of a shot of the monster. We didn't get to see the cheetah from Wonder Woman in broad daylight, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Well, that's to hide how bad the CGI is in Wonder Woman 84. (laughs) The first reveal where you really see the monster, too, is amazing. Another amazing shot, and it's coming from, like, super far in the distance. It's really blurry, and it's coming straight up the dock, and there's like those weird steps down by the river that they're all on. Yes. It's a really cool scene. Yeah, that's why I said to you, I said that, to me, that beginning scene with the the monster breaking out was like an all-timer for me. It was like so much chaos. It was actually pretty freaky. The perfect emotional buttons it hit with the the girl. Um, You know, he doesn't get any credit. Everyone treats him like an idiot, and he is an idiot, but... Man, Who's he's he, pretty. Brett? Oh, I don't remember his name. Uh, Gangdu. Yeah, like, but he, he just goes, like he's like not scared of like, when his daughter gets taken, he's like doesn't even hesitate. He jumps in the water. Like people say that stuff to him all the time. It's like, if you're swimming with your significant other and you know a shark comes and, you know, you like to think that you'd go towards your significant other, but who knows? I mean, I mean, I would. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't be swimming out there anyway. Um, <laughs> not in shark waters. He just goes, and he does that throughout the whole movie, not just in the water. I mean, he doesn't get any credit for how brave he is. But again, because he's an idiot, but he's pretty cool in this movie um, if you can get over the him tripping and sleeping and being an idiot. 
Stevie, why is he so sleepy? He <sighs> explains it. <laughs> so the one thing that I like, I mean, the one thing I really like from this movie is that from our main characters, which is the Park family, um, you know, you have Gangdu that you could say his one fall is that he's lazy and stupid. And then you have um, Nam June, his sister. You could say that, you know, her one fall is that she waits too long to do anything. She's slow. You know, she's slow in life. She waits for things. Even, you know, she's a world champion archerist or, you know, whatever you call that. Um, you know, she waits on things. And then you have uh, his brother. I think its name was uh, Nam Il. You know, he's, an al- he's a heavy drinker, alcoholic, doesn't really care for his family. Then you have, like, the dad. And this is later in the movie, but I don't care if we jump around because it's a Stevie episode. Uh, <laughs> I like a lot how there's a thousand different tones in this movie. Yeah. But when the dad like atones for his sins, like with his children sleeping on him and he's trying to explain why his oldest son is the way he is. That that part hit hard to me. I don't know about you guys, especially when he's like talking about like the sound of a parent's heart breaking can be heard for miles, like when they lose a child. Like that is deep writing, especially for like a monster movie. Yeah, yeah no, I good. did like that part too. Goes to show like that Gangdu had to like endure much more than his his uh, siblings did. They had a maybe an easier upbringing than than Gangdu had. Because his dad was like kind of a dirtbag when he was growing up. Yeah, and he was like talking about even at a young age, like Gongdu was pretty much raising himself and wasn't getting the proper nutrients, and that's like why he is the way he is. I just, I know I thought Gongdu and his dad had a great relationship, and I mean, it just seemed like the dad was trying extra hard now that he's older and he kind of understands what he did. Uh, I love those moments, but it's amazing the amount of character development is in this packed into the beginning of this movie too because he's sleeping all the time and he's like at the convenience store sleeping on the job mm-hmm. and the one thing he like perts up and gets awake from is he hears or th- even thinks he hears his daughter calling him from like the distance yes and i just think that's a, like a really good touch on a movie that you don't know at that point is going to be all about him trying to get her back yeah, and Josh, I want to ask you this question because you and I are pretty big Quentin Tarantino fans. And I think as far as American film directors, he does this really well. And I think this movie did it perfectly. Do you like how between every scene, you never know who the main character in any scene is going to be? It jumps <laughs> around a lot. Yeah, and I think that's especially true when the characters get separated maybe later in the movie and you mm-hmm. kind of think they're all dying. There's a point where you think Gangdu is the main character for most of the movie, I would say probably like 75%, but yeah. there's a point where he's kind of like taken out of the mix and all of a sudden Namil, his younger brother is like, you're like, Oh, he's the guy that has to like take on the quest now. Yeah. Basically every important person in this movie has at least one fake out death. And also some real ones, though, to balance it out. It's not like everyone lives by any means in this horror film. For sure. <laughs> Brett, this it, it's kind of tragic, but I think you would appreciate this the most. How frustrated were you when Kong Du told his dad he had one bullet left? 
and his dad went out to shoot the monster and realized the man who gave him the gun was his idiot son. Yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a pretty sad frustrating. scene, but it's it so ironic. It is very sad, because he's really cool, and they, I mean, like, in the horror movie formula, like, you know who's going to die first is going to be the dad. Mm-hmm. Um, that I thought was going to be the brother, but, you know. But, yeah, no, it's frustrating, but it's, like, par for the course, and it also helps his redemption even more. I mean, I don't know. And he's just freaking devastated. Like, he gives himself up because he's so devastated, pretty much. So They really take their time with that scene. He, like, leaves and comes back and, like, puts a newspaper over his dad's face. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is after crying a lot. And then he leaves and comes back again just to be, like, arrested by the cops. Um... I don't know. I, can I rewind for a quick second, Stevie? Go ahead. There's a really crazy grief scene also before this. And the whole family reunites <laughs> and they're grieving their ne- niece or their daughter, or their granddaughter. And it's pretty crazy depiction. Is it is it supposed to be over the top yeah. or is this supposed That's to be That's what like I was wondering. Same. I was wondering if I was missing, missing something culturally. Yeah, I think it's, it's devastating. just these elements of dark comedy that, like, I think it, you know, it's supposed to be that way. Like, we're supposed to understand I, the grief, and we're also supposed to get a little bit of humor out of it. <laughs> yeah, Brittany's but, like, are they supposed to be acting bad on purpose? I'm like, I don't know. They're, they're, I don't know if it's bad <laughs> acting. It's definitely overacting. Sorry, Mikey, go ahead. The drunk brother, like, at one point, just, like, <laughs> double kicks yes. the, the idiot brother. <laughs> like, no Wait, why is he the drunk brother? Because he's a college, I mean, I'm guessing it's because he went to college and he can't get a job. Like, he just feels like a failure. Do they show him drinking? I don't really remember he's, that. They the do. first time you see him, he's walking in with a beer. And his daughter even mentions, like, why'd you send Uncle to, like, Parents' Day? I could smell, oh. him, like, I could smell him from across the room. And he's like, Indeed. he's drinking gotcha, at this time gotcha. of day? Yeah. <laughs> Mikey, I feel like in a lot of um, Bong Joon movies, uh... He's trying to say something politically. Um, did you kind of like the political angles that came from this movie? Because I feel like there was a lot to unpack as far as like political stances. That's what I was trying to figure out the whole movie because Parasite came out last year. That's clearly got some political themes about capitalism and very uh, yeah, social, for sure. social classes and stuff. Social structures, yes. Yeah. But I couldn't, other than like the military being the u.s military being bad and like the korean government also like failing the people in many ways i couldn't really think of or see any that like kind of really stood out because we were just so closely following um the search for hyang so and Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe you guys could enlighten me because i was like really i knew i know he i was always, asking you i know he's always I was trying confused. to say something about yeah about politics or other t- types of themes bigger than just what is in the plot of the movie but other than like military bad and this government kind of sucks uh, i couldn't really i don't know maybe something with the virus but also it's like there wasn't really a virus if, if that's the twist in this movie there's not really a virus in the first place. I got two things out of it. I think there's a little bit of 
anti-America imperialism in it. And I think it's mostly played for comedy. But then yeah. I think there's like the obvious environmental it's it's basically like Fangorn Forest. Like you keep chopping all these ents down and eventually like the happening is gonna happen. <laughs> um, Mark Wahlberg's gonna show up and everyone's screwed. But <laughs> I just I thought that if that was like the main point, there would be much more to it than just the beginning scene yeah. of the American guy ordering the other guy to pour formaldehyde down the drain. That's some just... background information if you want. Please. Okay, so apparently this film was inspired by, an, <laughs> it's just crazy, uh, an incident in 2000 where a uh, Korean mortician working for the U.S. military in Seoul was ordered to dump a large amount of formaldehyde down the drain. Um, Jesus Christ. Uh, in addition to its environmental concerns, this caused some antagonism toward the U.S. Uh, U.S. Uh, military station in South Korea is portrayed as uncaring. Uh, for the effects their activities have on locals. Uh, that, I mean, did I don't think it's uh, you have to be smart to get the Agent Yellow um, as a reference to Agent Orange, and then also it's kind of like a uh, it's like a satire. But his actual quote is, "It's a stretch to simplify the host as an anti-American film, but there is certainly a metaphor and political commentary about the U.S." Okay. The thing about the Agent Yellow thing, though, I was like, I don't know what that that cloud thing is doing. Is it supposed to take care of the monster? I, don't, I thought that was I thought that was a mistake. I I thought that was one of the few mistakes. I don't think they explain that very well. Um, I think I thought it was just like tacked on and kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, I think it because it looked cool. Also, by the way, just to, to make it yes. extra funny, is guess what country loved this movie? North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> which it says, which it says, is a rarity for a South Korean blockbuster film, but they loved it because of its critical to the U- United States. Really? Yeah. Also, Did you they right, get the North Korea? movies over there? Yeah, I doubt it. I bet it's not North Korea. I bet it's the North Korean people. But to uh, laugh at what you said, Mikey, uh, it does say it's it's satirical towards the South Korean government as well as bureaucratic, inept, and essentially uncaring as well. So, yeah, you pretty much. It didn't seem like it's super heavy, but I think you nailed the two, uh, you know, U.S. bad, South Korea dumb, and then everything else is kind of more important than that. Well, congrats to Stevie for liking the same movie that Kim Jong-un <laughs> likes. Like, Jeez. that's a feather in your I cap. Kim Jong-un might have been alive was... back then, too, so he really loved it, probably. I'm just saying, Kim Jong-il was a movie buff. That dude knew his stuff. <laughs> True, All but right? he was so ronery. <laughs> oh, it, God. It, <laughs> <laughs> Inevitable. Check his letter box. Four oh, and a half stars. No. <laughs> Stevie, for as much as we're talking about these wide scope, um, big big issues that are tackled here, I honestly think there's a bigger one that we're not touching on. Environmentalism, and homelessness. No, no, you're a new father. There's like a very clear like yin and yang of fatherhood here, and like learning from mistakes that we end on, even right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so this movie, there's definitely environmental factors where it comes to like, like the what stood out to me was we're destroying our planet and look what, like what we create will kill our children, which is kind of like a metaphor I took from this movie. Also, with the fact that like the people like of South Korea's first instinct to first instinct was to throw their trash at this monster. Yeah, like that was weird. It made it stronger. <laughs> like it's definitely there's definitely something there, but like that's an aspect of the character of like Gongdu I enjoyed was you know 
he may have been like not the most successful career person or the smartest person, but like that dude loved his daughter. And as like a new father to like a daughter, I connected with that right away. Even more specifically in the writing, there's like like a big part of Gandu's dad's guilt is that he didn't properly nourish him when he was a child Mm -hmm. and that's like devastating for him to think back on and the movie ends with a scene of gondu he has a shit together he doesn't have his hair dyed justin timberlake anymore and he's like got this huge meal laid out for his adopted son and i just like connecting those two things i think is pretty touching uh josh i think you're missing the most important thing stevie said he said since he's a new father, he loves his daughter more than you love yours. So I think that's what I heard him say. <laughs> I'm glad you caught that, Brett. I am trying to really grandstand here and get that across to Josh. I ignore that. That's like as stupid as Brett claiming Drew Rockland as his best friend, as he often does on this pod. It's just ridiculous. Outlandish. Don't besmirch Gong Du. He offers his daughter a beer in the opening five minutes, okay? so Dude, he tells her, you're in junior high, have at it, champ. <laughs> yeah. And he slaps her on the shoulder. If that's not nourishment, I don't know. I mean, Drew is a best friend, but, you know, whatever. <sighs> okay, but moving on, uh, kind of want to ask Corey this question, because this movie jumps around so much. So much. We get to know our characters really well. Uh, do you like how this movie also, like, kind of lets us get to know like our actual monster and its lair and how it operates because it spends a lot of time in that lair and it doesn't have to yeah i do and uh, i was reminded of a movie by the same director that i saw before this one even though it came out after chronologically which is snowpiercer yes and just by like how good he is at making things look disgusting and dirty like he <laughs> He has this way of making environments just seem so unpleasant and gross. And that's the vibe you get in this sewer system. But I think what you were getting at is the monster does have this like, like layer where he stores his food, which is people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're dead. Sometimes they're just passed out. But that's where he just kind of drops them. And uh, when we find out the daughter's alive, we get to see her in there and her like, you know, ways to cope to survive like sometimes she plays dead when the monster comes around sometimes she hides in a little hole uh she eventually tries to like fashion a like a rope ladder and swing it up and escape yeah there's also like a 45 minute fake out where you kind of think the monster doesn't necessarily kill or eat humans but maybe just kind of (laughs) naively keeps them as pets and i thought that was pretty cool that it's like just barfing up bones like nope it eats them (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, maybe he just like plays with them, or because I was like trying to figure out what what I, I still don't know what the title means. The host, like, what does that? I think it means that the monster was presumed uh, presumed to be the host of this supposed virus that was going around. Am I getting that correctly? He was the host of the daughter in his lair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like he hosted. Her <laughs> He's as a, a very bad host. <laughs> like, He's oh. a terrible host. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me, I'm being a terrible host. Have a drink. I feel like you're right. You know Corey, what? By Don't. The way. <laughs> Sorry, Brett. No, no, I, I, I love what you said. I just, I think, I didn't like that. Did did we really need that storyline? Do you think? What's that? The beast ceased. I mean, I guess you have to have a reason for them to chase. I guess. 
the main characters. I mean, they, it could have been a movie about them searching to find the daughter without having the... And then I guess it wouldn't be a political satire, so I guess never mind. I like the stakes that it adds, personally. Uh, she gets almost eaten a couple times while she's in there. One time, actually eaten, so... <laughs> Uh, I, I think, you know, it's good to see, like, is she still hanging on? What's going on in there? Yeah. How, what is she eating? She's down there for quite a while. I don't think she's eating. Yeah, water. I don't think she's eating. This sequence, actually, uh, the sequence of her being in that lair, because it jumps back a lot, um, actually has one of my favorite shots of the movie, and that's when she's trying to jump off the beast to her, like, shirt ladder, or her shirt rope, <laughs> and, like, the camera just, like, stops. And, like, you instantly know what happens, but I think the really smart thing about that sequence is how long she takes to move, because I think she realizes, like, what's going to happen here shortly. Like, the visual terror of what's going through her mind, and also the little boy that she's bonding with, uh, I thought was just brilliant. I, I do have, like, are we supposed to think that the formaldehyde made this creature, like, have sentient and more and have like a conscience because it like plays a game of like chicken with the girl and it seems to have a personality when it should just be like a mutated fish with a just a bigger fish brain i don't know am i making sense at all i think it is really smart i don't think it cares about her i think there's that scene where it has her in her in its tail and just sets her down and i think it's supposed to be like he's asleep and just kind of like leave I don't Leave know. me alone. If like a fly, if a fly was like in your face while you're sleeping, you just kind of lazily like slap at it or something. I see that. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. Or you, <laughs> or you can put shaving cream in someone's hand while they're sleeping and tickle their nose with a feather. Oh yeah. Is that what you guys did in college, Josh? Did you do that? <laughs> no, we did. They put <laughs> knives and silverware in my bed instead, and then tickled oh them God. with a feather, and then nailed a piece of pizza to the top of my wall. What? Yeah, they <laughs> nailed a piece of pizza to the top of my, like, 14 feet up in the air. Look, okay, I need it to wasn't why. they, it was Put the me. Movie on hold. It was you. I ste- I'm the tallest, I'm 6'4". I stepped up on the couch, and Brett had left this pizza in my room for a couple days. It was the like, second or third time he had I done that. I probably thought you had and I was some. Like, I'm going to show this guy a lesson. So I see. I like some- Brett's innocent side. Like, someone just nailed pizza to my wall. <laughs> no explanation needed. Pizza. No, he's making it up. It's like I probably put it right next to his 19 ba- empty bags of popcorn with uh, orange slice peels in them. He left those all over the house. He had, he had pretty high ceilings. Definitely a long bro. Yeah. It, he'd sit there and he'd peel an orange and eat popcorn and eat an orange. It was so weird. That was like his go to snack. Of course, it's like the poorest snack. First of all, snack. edit point. Second of all, we had high ceilings, like nine or ten feet. And so it was hilarious. You just he didn't have any like posters on that wall. You just walk in and way up on the wall is just perfect slice of pepperoni, Papa like, John's. Like a cross, like something he worships. Like <laughs> he meditates upon it. I mean Pizza God. He had some other yeah, hygiene. How long but, it up there? Oh, it wasn't up there very long, I don't think, but who knows? Three months. Yeah, maybe. I was pretty bad in college like that so maybe listen there's some more stories we could get into but let's save it for later spoilers <laughs> oh my god oh josh you uh 
You um, get behind the camera and help with films some, sometimes in your job, right? Oh, yeah. I never noticed this. I just learned this uh, yesterday watching this movie and also doing some research. Do you do this? I never realized this, that cinematographers and directors will like pretty much hose down like entire like concrete like sidewalks and streets because like wet concrete and wet asphalt looks so much better on film. And this movie <laughs> has a mountain of it. <laughs> if he's I not never spraying, realized they do this. If he's not spraying down the asphalt, he's just straight up having like one inch of standing water on it or like 25 inches or 25 <laughs> feet of standing yeah. water. Uh, there's one scene in particular where the sister, uh, Park, Park, uh, no, Nam June, not yeah, the sister Nam Ju, she's like hiding from the police and like I don't know how to describe it. It's a really cool like cinem- cinematic shot, and she her head is just barely above the water, and she's like under this concrete like little curb, and cops are like looking out over the water. And it's just so gross all the time. And <laughs> like, yeah, even down in like the lair and the kids that are just like hanging out with those dead bodies and sewage and bones. Mm-hmm. They're so disgusting looking by the end. It's kind of uh, grimy. And that seems to be something this director does, like Corey said. Yeah, I just that's a, that's a cool trick though. I've never sprayed down cement before, but I should do that. You that's should start idea. doing it. Yes. You'll get a raise. <laughs> Give this man a raise. He sprayed down the cement. Yeah, everybody's just constantly in wet clothes, and it just like gives me the heebie-jeebies thinking about being on set all day, just constantly sitting in wet clothes, waiting until it's your time to do your scene. It's like ugh, all day. That's how I feel about mud on film. I, I gag. It, it's hard for me to look at movies where people are covered in mud. Uh, like Raising Arizona. Predator? It's terrifying. Predator. That's clay. That's different. I'm talking like actual <laughs> just hillbilly mud. It freaks me out. <laughs> hmm. But, Mikey, now that like all of our main characters are converging towards the end, uh, I feel like a million things happen. Uh, <laughs> the one thing I actually enjoyed that like this writing actually did did you think this was cheesy having like the sister that couldn't fire an arrow in the beginning like be the one that fires an arrow at the end uh no i thought it was like incredibly badass because i was like oh the brother just the drunk brother just fucked that up so bad by dropping (laughs) (laughs) the last molotov he had i was like oh what now what are they gonna do uh but yeah she doesn't hesitate and then she gets a flaming arrow and then just like cool guys don't look at explosions when they walk away and <laughs> fires it right at this monster she shows up in her robert pattinson tracksuit. <laughs> oh yeah because <laughs> uh yeah she makes multiple missteps along the way with the arrow she's either taking way too long or knocked down when she's in the sewer she doesn't get her shot off and gets like knocked out and tossed into the sewer and she kind of gets her redemption at the end there which is cool and they get a ton of help from uh the guy the brother was hanging out with drunk in the underneath the bridge who had just happened to pour gasoline all over the monster at that point that dude was the real hero of this movie the hobo the hobo that 
that p- broke a bottle over the brother's head <laughs> and then just poured gasoline over that monster. Real hero of this movie. Ooh, was that another alcoholism like reference when he smashes the bottle over his head? Is that like rock bottom? Get it? I don't know. These movie alcoholics are something else, man. It doesn't <laughs> hinder their life or ability to do things really in any way. Like <laughs> He couldn't throw the bottle, Corey. What do you want? <laughs> Why did he hit a pillar every, every time? time? Like if if you're playing Call of Duty and you have six <laughs> cocktails, like you're gonna get booted from the game. I'm not for anarchy or anything, but for some odd reason, I think slow motion throwing of Molotov cocktails just looks beautiful on screen. Is anybody else with me? It's like blood on snow. Something about it on screen just looks strikingly awesome. Oh, yeah. It was always my favorite like weapon in the GTA series. It's just so fun. <laughs> the flamethrower? <laughs> no, the Molotov cocktails, uh, just flat out. And this is like the best chance we have to, like... Well, I don't know. We get to see the, the monster pretty well, but we get some like real close-ups of the monster. And for being an older movie, I think it looks pretty good up until, I don't know, maybe like the last... The very last scene where uh, Gangdu kind of stabs it with the pole. I don't know. It looks not great there, but we get to see it running away from all those Molotovs. And it's like, oh, that looks pretty good. Yeah, that's definitely the weakest CGI moment. When the monster is passed out, we get like a puppet version of it, like a practical version. We know when he's opening its jaws, like that part is great. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this, though. For being a 2007 movie... This movie still looks better than Wonder Woman 1984, which we will spoil at some point. I I promise. But uh, one of the things I kind of want to touch upon, too, is kind of a technical aspect. Uh, The camera work, I thought, was incredibly well done, especially when you have tracking shots that will just periodically zoom chaotically on the monster or back. I thought were really neat and were really good for pacing. Uh, instead of keeping the monster at a constant distance, if like the camera zooms were really necessary. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Corey, we really don't get the ending that most movies will give you, especially with the daughter dying, and you don't really get the brother and sister reconnecting, or the brothers and sisters reconnecting with each other. What do you make of this ending kind of just... Do you think it was out of place, or did you like the way this movie ended? Well, I did like the way it ended, but I, I had a little bit of confusion with the Agent Yellow. Now, I believe what they say in the movie <laughs> about Agent Yellow is that it eradicates all biological life. You die. Now, they're all in this thing. They're all having a fucking party in this thing. So <laughs> uh, I guess that's not actually true because uh, we get two survivors. Uh, our main our main guy, Gongdo. Gongdo or Do? Gongdo. Gongdu and uh, not his daughter because she dies right at the beginning of the of the climactic action scene. So instead of her having like a slow death at the end, it's at the beginning of this you know action beat. But the kid that she was stuck with is, survives, and Gongdu takes him in. And um, I don't know. It's it it is kind of a nice thing to see. Like that that's the way it ended. I didn't expect it to end that way. And uh, I'm just glad, I guess, that anyone was able to survive that shit. I mean, he survived a lobotomy earlier, which we didn't really talk about. Well, I I think that's what it was, right? I mean, 
if it was lobotomy, there's zero percent chance that he's functioning afterwards. But they did drill into his brain, or at least into his skull. A lobotomy is when you cut the is when you cut the cortex in between left and right, I believe. Look, I'm not a doctor. They were they were cutting at his brain, all right? <laughs> I know you guys were talking about one of the worst CGI moments with the monster kind of getting stabbed in the mouth, but I thought one of the best happens during the part that Corey was just describing where um, he pulls his daughter out of the monster's like mouth rectum it's like anal sphincter mouth bunghole <laughs> yeah. thing. It looks pretty gross and cool. I thought that was just practical. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's why it looked cool. Okay, it looked pretty also, cozy in there. I'm, I mean, not. The, I didn't mean to like about the CGI in general. Oh, just like okay. how the monster looks throughout the film is what I was referencing. Sorry. Also, the real monster in this movie is that dude's eye that is just throwing me yeah, for a it's loop. Weird. Like, the entire time. We kept saying, like, what are we looking at here? Yeah. Like, where are we looking? <laughs> also, it was hard for me to take him seriously when his eye was just wandering to holy hell and he's being sarcastic with Gandu. You like, mean the American guy? Yeah, that dude. Where he's like, why didn't you go to the authorities? And then his eye oh, is man, just... Oh, man, he was crazy. I, I, I was looking at the entire time. I couldn't take my eye off it. Everyone else thought you were talking about how the monster's Same. eyes look crazy, Definitely. Stevie. <laughs> Oh, my bad. I, I meant the real monster is that the American's eye that was being sarcastic with Gondu. My the, bad. The monster's eyes have more cataracts than King Theoden under Wormtongue's control. <laughs> Definitely. Check out our Lord of the Rings series. <laughs> he was like the one playing chess or whatever in Silence of the Lambs, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm looking at him up right now. Uh, yeah. He's a snow piercer. Eh, that's about... He's in the host. I'll say this about the ending. Uh, even though it's not like your typical hero ending, um, I will say that for some odd reason, I think it's really visual please, visually pleasing to see that small stand like with the backdrop of the city and snow just falling. Uh, I thought like it, it left me feeling happy, even though it wasn't the happiest ending. In my mind, his siblings are alive, and realistically, like they're not all four going to be living in that place. So, like, I, in my mind, they get together during the holidays, and him and his new son uh, work at that shop and go to school and try to live, scrape out a life. I don't Just know, man. Sm- it looks like the holiday season to me. <laughs> it's Christmas. <laughs> Wait, are you saying they're that not. they're dead? I didn't get that. I didn't vibe. either. I'm not saying they're dead, but like I think in like other film directors or writers would have put like all of them together at the end, like and put a song like "This Will Be" at the very end, (laughs) and they were kind of dancing around. Yeah, that's that's a very mid 2000s thing to do. It would have ended like snakes on a plane, like they all go surfing. (laughs) (laughs) You've seen that movie? Who hasn't seen snakes on a plane? Come on, I have it. I have a question. Uh, What was he? Expecting at the end with the gun, which gun? Uh, like he's in the at the end with the snow and he's got the gun pointed out, expecting something. Is he just? I think it was the government. Okay, I thought it was another monster. That's what I thought at first, but then I'm like, well, there's never any proof or you know facts that there was another one, but you know maybe his feelings told him there was. To get back to Brett, though, you've never seen snakes on a plane. <laughs> 
I'm tired of these. Mo- no, I have not. I, are you, part, are, I saw. Are, are you gonna watch it? No, go ahead and spoil it for me. It's okay. Keenan Thompson lands a plane, <laughs> not being a pilot, but because he plays a video game where you fly planes. I think I've seen that part. I kid you not. Oh my that gosh! That is peak cinema. There is a a skit he does in SNL. It's hilarious where. He spent some time in Scotland or something like that, and he comes and tries to translate, and he goes, he grabs the wheel and goes, nope, and then leaves. So I'm wondering if that's uh, a parody of it. I'll send you guys a clip. It's hilarious. It's James McAvoy. Are we going to get a Kenan Thompson revival period? Like, is Quentin Tarantino going to put him in something, like, gritty and tough? He's going to win an Oscar, dude. Safety Brothers movie. (laughs) He's been on SNL for, like, 20 20 years years. now. He's, He's never stopped. And before Didn't that, he, he was on record? all that, which is like oh, he's got the SNL. record by a lot, Stevie. Yeah, Mikey, yeah. we all know the goal of every movie star is to be on SNL forever. <laughs> he's really hit. <laughs> well, think about how genius he is, because how many SNL stars have like that big of movie careers? Yeah. No, and I think I I love him. I think he's freaking hilarious. I think he's awesome. So he's been playing 4D chess, saying I'm not leaving. I don't know. Joe Piscopo was in Sidekicks. Joe Piscopo was. was in Sidekicks. So. He's also in a movie that uh, me and Josh's best friend Drew love called Johnny Dangerously. <laughs> Deep yep, and Brock I, asked, I asked Drew, I said, if we do Johnny Dangerously, will you be on it? He goes, absolutely. Is that like Johnny English, but more dangerous? <laughs> it's like an 80s parody of those type of movies. So it's got Michael Keaton. It's apparently really funny, so... I get your guys' point, though. SNL people don't go on to make movies very often, <laughs> like Sandler, so, yeah, Hater. It's definitely hit or miss. But Will Hater Ferrell kinda... or Chris Farley. <laughs> okay. Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Adam Kate Sandler. McKinney. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying the man is consistent. I like him, okay? I'm not trying to shit on him. I like him. It this sounds like you were trying to shit on him, Josh. Camille. I saw Good Burger in theaters. I love the man. <laughs> I said I Ugh. want him to have a revival. I'm just being realistic. I'm rooting for him. He never went him. away, How but did anybody else... revive something that never went away? <laughs> he never went away! <laughs> but did anybody else have the uh, Good Burger, like, orange VHS cassette? Yeah. Yeah, I had a few orange VHS Nickelodeon cassettes. And I'm not gonna lie, when I was younger, I thought Good Burger was peak, like, cinema. I thought that was the funniest film ever made. I never watched any of that stuff. My God, Kel drives me absolutely crazy. <sighs> Missing out on Mondo Burger, Brett. Why? Because he loves orange soda so much? Right to the grinder for <laughs> no, you, No, his voice in that show. I didn't, I didn't watch the show. I didn't watch that. I didn't watch all that. I didn't watch any of that stuff because I was sophisticated. Brittany's making fun of me. I didn't even hear what she said. Before we, before we get back to the host, though, I, I'm just going to say Good Burger had Carmen Electra, Shaquille O'Neal, and Sinbad in one movie. I love Sinbad. Brett was watching Three Ninjas. Didn't have Amen. time for anything else. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Man, I'm trying to like resist the urge to do a synopsis of this Keenan and Kel episode, but I'm just gonna. No, 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 do, let's... do. No, not well. Since you asked, <laughs> yes, please, come on, man. please. You got me in the mood. We, we this gotta do this now. One episode where Kel is like gonna get this like two million dollar lawsuit because this can of tuna he had had a screw in it. Oh yeah, and he's just about to like win and get a lot of the money, and he has a breakdown and has to admit that. He put the screw in the tuna. <laughs> and I never realized how sexual that was till adulthood. Josh, did he hurt himself with the, the screw? Nobody could have. Because uh, case law, Hagen versus the Coca-Cola bottling company, he would not, the tuna company would not probably have been at fault unless he was hurt. 
What the fuck? <laughs> no, it's literally, it's literally the Bird only law, thing. Brett. It's literally the Bird only law. thing I remember from my business law class. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. I'm just the best damn expert in bird law you've ever seen. <laughs> oh, Brett has a uh, keen interest in the Royal McPoyles, but yes. Uh, before we get into our yes or nos, does anybody have anything else from this movie you want to add? The scene where he's where our our lead man, the dad, Gong Du, is about to get his head drilled in. It's a very long take, and it's like oh, very emotional yeah. and scary because you can kind of feel his pain. His like his arms are restricted, no mobility whatsoever. He's in a completely prone position with this huge thing on his head, like about to a drill about to go into his fucking forehead, and he's begging them to not do it. And it's it's a very long take, and it just reminds me of like um, a Clockwork Orange. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like watching. <sighs> Uh, the lead in that movie with his eyes like pried open. I don't know. I, th- I thought that was a very like powerful moment, and the the floor is like a very striking red. So it's like I don't know. That's a pretty strong scene, I think. To piggyback on that uh, again, give him credit for how him getting out of there. And did anybody else laugh when he he left that super serious place where he was getting his head drilled in and go out and they're freaking grilling sausages, dude. <laughs> I did laugh. And he even I said was like, something. "What, like, what are you fuck? doing, munching? What's he say? Like, you snacking or <laughs> feasting?" <laughs> He's feastin'. like, "I'm suffering." There, you motherfuckers are eating lunch. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about it, that's so realistic, though, isn't it, Brett? Because of True. course, people are just going to be eating doggers and drinking beer out there. Yeah, but you expect it to be like another, you know, corridor. He's got you know eight more minutes left before he gets out. No, he's right there. <laughs> They're all just eating and having a good time. Barbecuing. That's so funny. I'll offer a little bit of criticism here at the very, very end in a very wonderful movie. And that's there's these three shots, maybe four that I counted, that they put into slow motion and it doesn't look like the shutter speed was high enough to actually do slow motion. So you get like this jittery effect. And I just wondered if that was like a mistake that they just wanted to keep uh, or if that. Like, I wonder if, um, I guess my question is, I wonder if the director was doing this over again, if Bong Joon-ho was doing this again, would he, like, include those shots, or is that something, like, now that he has bigger budgets, he can do better, you know what I mean? You don't think it was a choice? (sighs) That's what I wonder. I really don't think so. Did did that stick out to anybody else? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I don't know. It's that kind of stuff. Say it again, Josh. Which shot are you talking about? Okay. There's three shots that I wrote down. Um, one is when the brother is like reading the map and it goes mm-hmm. down to slow motion and it's like jittery. There's another one where she's hanging by the clothes rope. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And then there's another one where the little kid is like being shown to be alive at the end. And then he ends up being the son, like the adopted son. But um, yeah, I, that stuck out to me just as almost like a camera error. But um, I'll say this, Josh, I know you're a long brother, but when did you really get into film? College. That is like those kind of slow motion, jittery, like kind of off putting shots are so of its time. Like of, of 2003, you think? From like 2003, like honestly, television. From like, it reminds me of television. From like 2000 so. to 2010. Like that's super common. I believe that. 
the jittery is. I don't know. I never knew about the slow motion, like the Jason Bourne camera. Like that's like super, super common. Like you can honestly check that through a lot. I mean, so do you want me to speak technically as a camera operator? It's like a problem of lighting. So if you're going, the more slow-mo you're going, the more light you need, mm-hmm. but you can also adjust your light intake with your shutter. But if you, if that's too low, you don't have like enough footage per second to trick your eye. So you get like that jittery effect. Like it's not 24 frames a second anymore. If that makes sense at all. Sorry if that's boring. <laughs> frames per second, big gamer. Yeah, at least 60 frames per second but i think you're right maybe just the tech in the early 2000s like was in this in between like digital phase where like that ended up coming out a lot also i got a couple other small notes if you want to go first stevie that's fine i was just gonna say that like kind of piggyback off of like when they're grilling out when gongdu's getting lobotomized i i'm sure it would have cost a fortune to clear but I think if the song Ants Marching was playing by Dave Matthews Band, it would have made the most perfect like exit possible. Because like you've just rock. gone like, <laughs> like you just gone from something so serious getting lobotomized to hearing fucking Dave Matthews harmonica playing and people eating hot dogs. I think it would have made for such a jarring moment. But I imagine Dave Matthews will cost films a fortune to clear. But go ahead, Corey. Not too long into the movie, like, uh, I don't know, 30 minutes in or something, the whole family is captured because they were at the site where the monster first came out, Mm -hmm. and anyone that was in contact was taken in. When they escape that facility, it reminds me of, like, a Guy Ritchie movie, because it's... Well, one one thing is, like, the music is very uniquely different in that scene. It sounds like something that would be on the Snatch soundtrack. But also, like, they're so like bumbling about like the way they escape this facility and they somehow pull it off. It's so slow. They're just kind of like pushing people out of the way, tripping, (laughs) like it shouldn't go right, but it does. That parking garage where the turn is so sharp, they can only go like six miles an hour. So that cop that's like running is slowly catching up to them. (laughs) So it's like pushes his face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll say that I really enjoyed the scenes where we're like, it's like super close up on, there's like a couple of shots like this, but it's like a super close up shot of like the father and then the monster is kind of like slowly chasing towards the camera uh, before it like knocks them out. I think that looks pretty cool or like it's not close up, but like the monster is way down the pier and knocking mm-hmm. people off into the water. Just I like that kind of stuff, and then it was like immediately into a tracking shot along that that pier and stuff. There's a lot of really cool tracking shots and just kind of continuous shots in this movie that, for a smaller budget movie, that's pretty hard to do. Um, so it's really good directing on his part. I was really hoping the first guy that got like flung 200 feet in the air and hit water. I'm hoping his origin story is that he's a scumbag because he, if that's, if he's like a really nice dude, that's a horrible way to go. Like you're just enjoying yeah. a sunny day on the pier and a giant fish monster throws you like way too high to hit water and not be paralyzed for the rest of your life. I'm hoping he was a dirtbag. But for yes or no's, let's go Wesis to Esis. I think, Corey, that means we start with you. 
Okay, yes, this is Corey. I'm going to give this a yes, but before I go into that, at some point in this podcast, I really wanted to fit in a joke about how they live in a van down by the river, <laughs> and I never had the chance. I mentioned so. Chris Farley a minute ago. <laughs> Take the chance. Take the shot. <laughs> <laughs> Take the uh, shot. This is a really good movie. This movie is uh, a lot of genres, uh, which... Uh, normally, maybe I wouldn't like in a lesser film, but it executes it very well. There's a lot to like about this movie. It's um, exciting. It's scary. It has some weird dark humor, so it has elements of comedy in there, and it's just a, a gripping film. Like it's, it's very engaging. It's not a boring movie. It's fun. I like it a lot. Very cool. Uh, Josh. Sure, I'll go. This is a real solid yes. This is a great movie. Uh, I had never seen it before, and I didn't look anything. I didn't read anything about it before I watched it, so it was a surprise to me that it ended up being a creature feature, and it's just so fun. Um, one of the biggest compliments I can give this movie is I think you could probably chunk any given ten or fifteen minutes segment out of it, and it would be like a killer short film. Like there's enough. Yeah enough context kind of in every scene to like you could jump in and jump out at any point and uh learn something or get something out of it um stevie thinks i have a problem with subtitles i don't i love (laughs) (laughs) i just don't turn them off turn them on for every movie by rule like stevie does and i i thought that was crazy when i first heard that but um yeah huge yes and um, there's a few little plot holes like the guy that commits suicide by jumping off a bridge I'm pretty sure the main character jumps off that same bridge later in the movie and just like dives right in and like the whole Agent Yellow thing just like killing off about 10% of the living organisms in it's like perimeter but um, it doesn't really detract much it's a great grimy fun film uh, I'll give it a solid yes as far as monster movie goes, it's pretty great. Uh, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of really cool. Uh, well, there's for a monster movie, most of them don't have as much action as this one does, and this is a pretty low budget movie. Uh, so it's cool to see how far they go with uh, the effects and stuff like that. And yeah, I just like all of the characters and the family. Uh, I like that Bong Joon-ho continually tries to utilize the the main guy who plays the dad. His name is Song Kang-ho uh, mm. in real life. Uh, he's the dad in Parasite. I like when directors use um, actors that they're really familiar with and they like a lot. And he's a really good actor. He's He always plays like a drunk guy, which I love <laughs> that kind of being your character trait um i don't really have anything bad to say about it uh it did make me want to eat ramen uh while i was watching it so i stopped and made some ramen because uh, they're like constantly eating <laughs> shitty uh asian food uh since they own that little that little like quickie mart thing in the middle of the park so it's uh really fun to see and um yeah it's it's a good movie i've never seen it before and glad i finally got around to watching it 
Mikey, just to touch on like how he always plays a drunk guy, like drinking in South Korea is a big part of their culture. Like when it comes to like doing business or like night, like nights out, like drinks, uh, like they, like a lot of like their, I'm going to say a lot of it, but there's a pretty big pull to the part of their culture that, uh, involves heavy, heavy drinking. Is it just Korea? Or is that every culture? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, I think South Koreans could drink a lot of Americans under the table. That's all I'm saying. It seems like it was more of like all day kind of thing because he's like firing up a beer in the middle of his work shift, offering a beer to his daughter, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And it seems like he would be cracking open a, a cold one with the boys any chance he could get. Yeah. Brett? Well, Steve, you obviously haven't seen Beer Fest. Uh, we are the best drinkers. Um, <laughs> according to that documentary. Yeah, <laughs> documentary, yes, for sure. Uh, yeah, this is a, a solid yes for me. Uh, I thought the creature design looked really good for the time. I mean, I still think it looks good now. There's actually an episode of Family Guy, I don't know if you've seen it, where he, someone wishes for a mermaid. And it's like the woman. It's like the bottom. The bottom half is the woman. The top half's the fish. It reminded me of that. And he's like, "Why would you want the top half? The bottom half to be fish? We can't have sex that way." Never mind. Um, which is genius if you think about it. Um, the only thing that bugs me, like in, uh, early on, I said, "Well, this thing's going to be really easy to kill. Is there going to be more?" And Brittany's like, or maybe it just gets really big. It didn't, it neither. This would have been the easiest monster in movie history to kill. Um, but they literally didn't even try. <laughs> I mean, like, I know they're worried about some fake virus, but tell me this wouldn't have been the easiest monster to kill. In America. Yeah, I mean, our military. In America, send... all the people at the lake would have pulled out their guns. I mean, yeah, yeah. like you get, you get like 10 neighbors from the Ozarks. They'd have had this thing done in an hour. Definitely. But uh, yeah, no, this is, I like this movie. Again, it was uh, part serious, part zany. I think the scene that Corey brought up is really uh, powerful when he's just like, he's frustrated the whole movie because he keeps saying, no one will listen to me, no one will listen to me. Then he's finally to the point where he can't do anything. He's tied up. They're about to drill into his head and he's just begging them, crying. It's really good, really good acting and I wish the girl didn't die at the end. I'm starting to realize that if I want a truly happy ending, I can't watch any of this guy's movies. But <laughs> uh, it's pretty good. So uh, definitely a solid yes for me. That's a great point, Brett. Pan's <laughs> Labyrinth <laughs> style. His endings. Yeah, I mean, they're almost like they're little bits of happiness. By the way, I think this movie could have shaved maybe 10 or 15 minutes off, but it's just splitting hairs at this point. Dang. Uh, yes, Stevie. Um, I'll give this movie a hard yes. Uh, one trope that I enjoy that a, a lot of filmmakers use, uh, Wes Anderson is one that comes to mind, is characters that have one flaw and they overcome them throughout a film. Like one like outstanding flaw. I enjoy that a lot. Also, Josh kind of touched on it, how a lot of this could just be short films, like 15-minute short films, and they would be amazing. Like the micro-adventures that... Uh, Bong Joon-ho uh, connects throughout this movie is just incredible to tell a narrative. It's a lot of fun. The camera work's incredible. 
CGI looks great for its time. I think it looks, still looks really cool today. Uh, and yeah, it's just a really, really hard yes for me. I think it's my second favorite movie for, for, uh, from him behind Parasite. But yeah, definite, definite hard yes. Uh, y'all ready for some trivia? <sighs> That's where my head went to. Yeah, yes, yeah. we are. Y'all ready for this? Uh, my man with a planned pappy is not here tonight. Does anybody have the order? Ooh. Is there an order uh, Josh even? Josh is second in charge. It's been like years since we've recorded. Should we start a new order? <laughs> you can do whatever order you the want. The first order? What kind of As game is it? Does it matter? Closest to. Uh, I don't well, think this combination's ever happened, by the way, right? New Just this combination? Combo. I don't think it ever yeah. has. No, no way. Okay, this let's, is the first time. Let's start okay, moving backwards okay, I got in time. It. I hosted last on... Snowman. The Snowman. Before that was Brett Me. on The Predator. Pappy with Before Witness. Before that was Pappy not here. All right, you're going. You go Jordan, ahead. Jordan not here. Stig- Mikey did The Mist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So and, George goes last. Josh has advantage. Holy <sighs> crap. It's been since Ace Ventura, maybe. September. Okay. Yeah, yeah. September. What year so, is it? What year is it? <laughs> <laughs> I just watched that movie two days ago. Oh, it's still hilarious. Okay. So, one of my favorite books of all time is a monster book. Kind of. It's Ernest Hemingway's Old Man in the Sea, which an old man fights a marlin until he nearly dies and no one ever gives him credit and the marlin's half eaten away. Anyway. I'm asking you guys on Rod and Reel, how much did the largest marlin ever no. caught no. weigh? <laughs> this Four is right up pounds. Josh's alley. For no. those who don't know, I did a how much did an animal weigh one time, and Josh gave me an answer that was so outlandish, my wife, two rooms away, was bursting out laughing. So. <laughs> Remember, this is caught on a rod and reel. Forgot she never made As a mistake. As opposed to what? I don't know. <laughs> a harpoon? I'm not sure. Sorry, Mr. Perfect. Like, do you mean like a person reeled it in? Yes, with, like, a, their a own person strength? reeled it in. <laughs> I think it was the guy from uh, that one movie you did with the weird... Never mind. McConaughey? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That movie's Oh, so Serenity? Stupid. Yeah. What a great movie. It was good. What a fantastic movie. <laughs> all right, all right. So, uh, Corey's first and me? Yeah. Yep, Oof. that's it. Uh, fuck. A lot of pressure Fish. on you, Corey, to not say something stupid. I don't stupid. know much about fishing, but, like, if the person's, like, huge, I'm just trying to think, like, this is a giant fish. Uh, it's a marlin! I don't know anything. I don't even know what a marlin looks like. 200 pounds. That's my answer. 200 pounds. I don't know if that's overshooting it or undershooting it, to be honest. I have no idea. Gosh dang it. Oh, man. Um, God, Marlins are big game fish, man. Oh, but I don't know. Right, what's say the largest stupid. fish you ever caught? Uh, not, not, not much. I mean, my brother caught a big catfish once, but I definitely didn't. No, I don't know. Small. This Marlin, I would say, uh, f- 500 pounds. 500 pounds. 
think that means Mikey is next. Hmm. Let me think like Josh here for a minute. How much does a small Fiat weigh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go 525. 525 pounds. Stevie. George. When you asked me way back when in the gray. It's one of my favorite episodes, by the yes, way. Well me. done. What, what was it? What's the biggest wolf ever found? Ever wild. hunted. Ever hunted. What and yeah. what answer did I give you? What comical answer did I give you? I think you said like twelve to fourteen hundred pounds. It was a ridiculous answer. And I think you realized that like a wolf is like the size of a dog. <laughs> yeah, like a big dog. Yeah, like <laughs> You know what? I mean, but they're dense. They're so very dense. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. Twelve hundred. Let's go! Twelve hundred pounds. I would have just added one to the next nope. guy, but that's fine. I want to get that. I want to win with that answer. <laughs> Maybe. And retail price is a Pacific blue marlin was caught in 1970 out of Oahu, Hawaii, chartered by Kareen C. It's going to be like 50 pounds. By, <laughs> skippered by Cornelius Choi. This is often referred to as Choi's monster. <gasps> this bad boy. That's what the ladies called it. <gasps> weighed in at a whopping 1,805 wow. pounds. <laughs> oh, should have known. George, after, what was that, three years ago, I think has finally redeemed himself. Oh my God, are you serious? <laughs> that was. Now we can never reference that again. That was the long, single longest. <gasps> Long, like long play redemption. I think this podcast has ever had. So awesome! Oh my gosh, that's, that's, big, so that's like as big as an average great white man. That's crazy. That Marlin was a big motherfucker. Okay, um, Josh, do you want us to take a break? Kick it over, to spoiler man. Or are you ready to tell us what movie you're going to be hosting next? Can we take a quick break, please? Can I kick it away to Spoiler Man? Do it. Take it away, Spoiler Man. Special thank you to our patrons. Nick, Druid King, Brother Brian. If you would like to help spoilers continue to make podcasts, please consider going to patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Spoilers is now available on Audible. Welcome back. Josh has redeemed himself after... Three years ago, saying the most embarrassing trivia answer you can give, so I will never bring that up again. You redeemed yourself, Josh. Yeah, right. <laughs> Josh, what are you gonna? What are we gonna be spoiling next? Even after that extended commercial break, my heart is still <laughs> pounding in my chest over the excitement of this victory. So excited! Um, I don't know. I I was gonna pick something from um, Jim Carrey's Renaissance. <laughs> We love talking about renaissances tonight, but I was thinking about The Mask, Dumb and Dumber. Those all came out of the same year as Ace Ventura. I was thinking about Ace Ventura 2, but you know what? On this pace, I only get to pick like two <laughs> movies a year, and I've had this movie on my list for a long time. Um, it's called, well, 
It's a movie that takes place in the time period Stevie was talking about earlier on the pod. That 2003 to 2010 era. Thank God it's not the Majestic. Let's go. But I guarantee you there's not going to be any of that low shutter speed bullcrap. This is a Coen Brothers movie from 2009. It's called A Serious Man. And I can't wait to watch it and talk, talk about it with you guys. Such a good movie. That's awesome, Josh. Good for you. Good pick. I thought you were going to pick Eternal Sunshine at first. Nah, not yet. Talking about Jim Carrey and Renaissance in 2003, 2010. I'm like, oh, it's Eternal Sunshine. And then. <laughs> so one side of the coin was The Mask, and the other side of the coin was a Cohen's Brother movie. <laughs> also, also thought about Jamie Kennedy's The Mask. Oh, too, gosh. Son of the Mask. Which only did wonders for his career. No. Son of the Mask. Son of the Mask. Yeah. Son of Mask. But hey, no, Stevie, let me big dumb movie pick. Let right me there. Uh, go ahead and make that quick announcement. Um, I was okay. Yeah. All right. So I don't know if this was made on air. Was this made on air? This bet probably was. Okay. So Stevie just randomly out of nowhere threw down this gauntlet of his. I had started an Instagram page for my dog Dozer, my bulldog, and he's like, "I'm about to get a pug. I bet you." He actually the original bet was a month away from spoilers and i said how about let's just do a punishment movie so yeah so we did a bet on instagram that his page whatever would make more than mine i ended up with close to a thousand and stevie never made his so uh he lost the bet and since i know that he loves the animated movie pinocchio and he thinks it's the best thing they've ever done i picked the 2002 Roberto Benigni movie Pinocchio for him to do because I think it'd be hilarious. Just uh, just to give you a head, the meta score on that is eleven. Uh, the cobbler for uh, the pixels for Adam Sandler is only a twenty-seven. So we're talking really really low. I saw it in theaters uh, after Christmas at Encore Theater. And I can't wait. I can't wait to hear him talk about it because I mean it's just it's apparently. I mean, he literally just won an Oscar a few years earlier, and his career was over after this movie. It's just... That's why he got to make this movie. (laughs) Yes. This was his passion project. This is going to be fun. If you look at the trailer, I mean, it looks like... They make it look like it's the most fun movie. If you think you've seen Pinocchio, you have never seen it. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) This Christmas. Stevie, you know what's weird about spoilers right now? What's that? We don't have... Like, we have two... punishment movies like what brett's talking about that we need to record we haven't recorded them yet right now as we're recording this our lord of the rings series is like airing back to back to back to back to back but we don't have any episodes in the can so this is like first it's weird that means i probably have to do pinocchio soon so we can get stuff in the can Oh, I was going to say no rush on this, but if that's what you guys want to do. Does that mean people need to subscribe to the Patreon to get us to release oh, more yeah. episodes? How will they do that, Josh? <laughs> I think it's just patreon.com backslash spoilers podcast. And I really hope oh, I said that right. Our, it's also on our Facebook page. You can check that. Um, but yeah. Also, shout out to Nick, our newest Patreon subscriber. Are we supposed to say his full name? Is that bleeped out? You can bleep it out if you want, but <laughs> Patreon subscriber Nick, you're the first one. Congrats. We will not let you down. But I checked mm-hmm. today, by the way. We now have a total of three as of today. No so way. Get out of town. You, we got another did one. You get a chance, I, like, my brother said he was going to subscribe. Um, 
But I don't know if that's the one. Oh, mother of God. <sighs> Congrats to our moms. For yeah. For <laughs> well, actually, you know, the funny thing is, like, I told my mom to listen to my podcast, like, years ago. She hasn't listened to one episode. <laughs> she said her favorite episode was Castaway. And we never recorded a Castaway episode that like we released. <laughs> no, was that was like a, a practice, practice run. She said it was her favorite one. That was so like, like a year into zero. the podcast. Yeah, that was a three-minute blurb from episode zero. <laughs> My sister has listened to a couple, but the, she listens to superhero ones, and she said PK cusses too much, so she doesn't listen anymore. Whoa. Oh, oh she'd hate me. No, you didn't, dude, you do not cuss like PK does. No, you do not. This isn't on the hijack. This is just regular on air. What's going on right now? PK's, I, I, it's my sister. What does she care? <laughs> she's BK. <laughs> Actually, she's married. Brett's so wife is BK yelling anymore. at him in the background. <laughs> <laughs> do the damn dishes. Oh, well, thanks for listening. This is one of the most interesting episodes I've ever done. Uh, thank you for listening. If you're still there, subscribe to our Patreon. Leave us a message on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. Send us an email. Get in touch with us. Hit us up on Instagram. It's so much fun. Thanks for listening. That was Spoilers. Love you, PK. Stevie, should I bring up, like, holy shit, punishment, boys. your punishment thing? Oh, please, the very end. Yeah, yeah. let's do yeah, that. Yeah, let's talk about but, movies down the pipe. Yeah, we'll by do the that way, when I when I kick it to Josh way, for movies down the pipe. Real line. quick, Mikey's oh. uh, Mikey's out here, so hopefully he has his recording. But yep, I got the hijack going. Hey, Corey, congrats, yeah, but, man! I'm looking at your Facebook. I I think you're the least white person on this pod. Congrats, bro. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. I it's have so much. Uh, it's close. So much but, to be. What yeah. do they say in South Park? Like I'm, I'm the most oppressed. <laughs> oh yeah, you have the highest uh, intersectionality score. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's impressive, man. You got a lot in there. Man, my heart is pounded right now. Just like pick a movie I love, Josh. Please stop picking movies I love that they're gonna hate. Uh, it's the best spoilers content. It really I, is. Josh promised. His next pick at the end of his last pick. Huh? Remember, you said you're doing Ace Ventura so that we can do Ace Ventura when nature calls. <laughs> I don't love that movie as much, so, but yeah, that's freaking hilarious. So, or uh, so that we can do Dumb and Dumber and The Mask, all oh. movies from that year. Yes, please pick a movie I've seen a lot. It'll really make my life easier. <laughs> Fucking Mikey. Shit. The largest marlin uh, not landed by rod and reel. I think this thing was caught by a giant net. Uh, weighed in at a whopping, I think, 4,500 pounds. Holy crap. Dude, that's like it's, that's like as big as the biggest great white. That's insane. Dude, I thought it was going to be in the hundreds. <laughs> like, 
couple hundred pounds. I actually thought I was going to be pretty big. I just did not want to be the guy that guessed way too big. Yeah. I didn't think I it'd be a, that big. I had to worry about that, too. <laughs> this Mar- Yeah, no. <laughs> this 4,500-pound blue marlin was not taken by Rod and Reel. All righty. Yeah. Mikey said he thinks his computer crashed. Uh, we got the hijack. You ready, George? Uh, let's give Mikey a quick second. Okay. And be, and I need a quick more second. Too. I feel bad for you, Corey. You had a 40% chance of hosting next time, and you, you didn't win. I know. I, I was telling my wife before this, I was like, oh, I might win trivia tonight. Uh, there's a lot less people. Well, less people, anyway. That's all right. Yeah, plus me. I was going to, you know, I owe you one, so... 1,805 oh. fucking pounds. Yeah. I mean, this thing is like as big as three people. Like <laughs> tall. It's massive. I was going to say, if you know three people that weigh 1,800 pounds, you need to have a talk with them. Jeebus. Yeah, the largest great white ever landed was 2,600 pounds. Unreal. Yeah, but I mean, they're way, they can be way bigger than that. Yeah. I think Mikey's back on Skype, so I'm trying to add him. Add him up. I don't even know how you would edit just hey, one Mikey. track from the hijack. Oh boy. Yeah, uh, like it, it, it takes work. a long time. Mikey, were you able to recover? Files? Uh, it does not look like it. Just go to open your Audacity and go to recently or like recent whatever. You should be able to find it. It's happened to me a few times. Hold on. Is there a place where Audacity throws like autosaves or anything like that? Josh, it hasn't been updated since 2007, so. Well, while it's running, it puts information in your temp directory in Windows, but Mikey uses Mac, I think, right? I use Mac too. I don't know what the equivalent is on Mac. I thought Macs weren't supposed to crash. They're not supposed to get viruses. Ah, okay. They're supposed to be perfect in every way. Just like my baby brother. Or? Uh... Who, who won? Did you guys say? Oh, Josh won. Ah, oh, fuck, Josh. God. He redeemed himself. pounds. I don't know. I'm not seeing it. Oh. I don't know what happened. It just, like, totally locked up and then... Well, it'd probably be called, like, Untitled or something. My recent files section only has, like, things that I've actually saved. But I've I've never come back from a crash like that. Yeah, same. All right. So should he just record in Audacity now? Yeah. Sometimes when you open up Audacity, it just brings that back up. Like it brings up like, hey, you quit in the middle of a session. Do you want to continue it? And you're like, yes. Did you see any prompts like that? Are we going? Because I'm going to pee if we're not recording in like a minute. Oh, wait. I mean, we're almost done. All right. You can go pee. All right. <clears throat>
So when you first opened it, did it give you something that like obstructed your view and said there was a crash, restore, or give you some options, anything like that? No, I just kind of like restarted from the beginning. I see. Just like how you, when you would open it on any given day. Mm-hmm. Fuck, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I did that. That was weird. Stevie, the hijack looks to be intact. The hijack? Yeah, still running. Okay. All right. Let's just... Josh, you can pull a single track out of the hijack. What do you do? Silence everything around it? No, you can't. You just have to. You have to line of... it up and then delete everything around it. It's hard. And sometimes, like, you have to like, kind of just let conversations bleed over the top of each other. Doing that for a whole podcast, that probably takes hours, right? Of editing? Yep, especially as this time rolls on. Happy <laughs> volunteered to edit this already. No! Well, this middle part's going to all get cut out. Any luck? Uh, it might be thrown on at the end. Yeah, let's record. No luck, but let's record. Okay. Mikey, you should record separately here if you Wait, can. Wait, were we I supposed guess. to stop? No. No. All right. You want me to just start then? Yep. Um, ready. Stevie. Are we going or am I doing like a three, two, one, go? You just go, go whenever. Oh, okay. That was spoilers.